This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Tom Ross. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on, Greg. Well, thank you so much for being on, considering you're in England, correct? And I'm in the U.S. I really appreciate you scheduling this out. No, of course. It's my pleasure. Excited to chat. Cool. Well, before we find out what you're doing today, let's start at the very beginning. And could you please tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? I, I'm pretty well aligned with what I wanted to be, actually. I know growing up, it always circled around creativity. And very early on, it also circled around entrepreneurship uh, and dabbling in online ventures. So I feel like I've, I've had a pretty good path in that respect where I've known quite early. But that certainly doesn't mean that it's been like a straightforward path getting there. <laughs> well, what was one of your first online adventures having your own business? And, and how old were you? I guess it'd be even more interesting. Yeah, sure. So um, I, I was pretty young, actually. I was about 12 years old when my best friend at the time right-clicked on a web page and hit view source, if, if you know what I mean, right. um, for any, any web designers out there. And it spat out all this HTML code that the page was built with. And I was like, wow, you mean people build these things? They don't just exist. <laughs> it was kind of eye-opening. And so from there, uh, my friend and I basically started dabbling in all these random projects. Most of them, we were just learning the ropes. A lot of them didn't even see the light of day. It was just us building websites. But slowly, we started rolling somehow. And we had all kinds of early ventures. There was one, do you remember the guy who sold like a million pixels in advertising? Yes, I do actually. Back yep. in the day? Yeah, I, I forget I forget his name. He was an English uh, dude as well, I think. And we took a similar model and we called it One Million Faces. And the idea was to try and get a million faces on this giant grid, which kind of went forever. And when you hovered over the faces, uh, it would tell you a bit about the person and their name and that kind of thing and just be a little picture of them. And then people could buy bigger spots on the grid that link back to their website. Oh, that's I had a, cool. a description about that. And, you know, it, it never like blew up or anything like that, but we did get um, a few thousand faces uploaded. And at one point we were making like $200 a day or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and we were really young um, at the time. That was a couple of years in. We were probably like 14 or something. And I remember we'd be at school on like our old school phones before smartphones existed. <laughs> and my mum would be at home approving the ads and then texting me. <laughs> to tell my friend that we'd made another $48 on an ad thing. <laughs> that is but, awesome. So would that be your, yeah. like, usually my next question is, is what was your first job where you actually got paid? Would that be your first job that you got paid? So I, I basically started learning design and entrepreneurial stuff hand in hand. And so pretty soon I started designing websites. I, my friend would be the developer, I'd be the designer, and I just started really trying to finesse my Photoshop skills and that kind of thing. So <laughs> um, I, uh, I sucked back then, obviously, like most of us do at the start, but I started participating in design contests as well. So I don't know if you've seen these, like it's, it's kind of like old school version of Fiverr and that mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I started doing them, and at first I, I wouldn't win any, and then I'd just kind of start winning like one in 10, one in 20. 
and by the end even though quite a few people were entering them i was winning about 50 percent of them and in today's scheme like i'm 30 years old now you know it's not huge amounts of money but as a kid um some of these websites would be between like three four hundred and like nine hundred dollars and so when you're churning these out quite regularly and entering a bunch of contests and, and winning roughly half of them that again was like a little early sign of traction that I could actually be semi-decent at this. Wow, that's awesome. So you're honing your skill as you were earning some money through these contests, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then that segued into uh, doing web design for a few clients here or there. Um, I had uh, some web design agencies who would outsource to me, so they'd be doing all the biz dev and have a steady, steady stream of clients, and then they'd basically get me to do the work, and then they'd take the margin on top of that. Um, so there were a few little avenues o- over the years and then I'd create little websites, um, like the, the million phases, like a few other, um, similar ones to that. And, and occasionally I'd flip one. And again, it, it wasn't tons of money, but it was all just learning for years and years and years. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of told us a little bit about your background. Well, tell us what do you do today? And I know, uh, it kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier, but tell us what you do today and kind of how you got there along with any different roles you had you know, from when you were 12 building these websites to now? Yeah, so I, I can kind of give you the fast-forwarded version. Um, I alluded to some of the really early stuff there. That started to progress, so I started to carve out a slightly more successful freelance career doing web design and little bits of branding for people. I started to get a lot of experience in conversions and helping people to uh, Im- improve, you know, how their website was performing and built up a nice little base of clients. Then I launched a Photoshop blog that ended up getting a few million visitors to it over the years, which was pretty cool. Um, and then through that, I started to get a bit more ingrained in the design industry, and I just got more and more passionate about it. And that all led towards me starting my current company, which is now over five years old, and it's designcuts.com, which is basically a, a marketplace for graphic designers and creatives. And it's awesome. It's like my favorite thing I've ever done. We've got an incredible team um, that just outside this room, actually, but lovely bunch. Um, they spent the afternoon today filming like some crazy Christmas movie or something that's going out on our <laughs> social media. Uh, just been kind of leaving them to it. But um, yeah, great, great team. We've got like 16 in the office now and a few remote staff all over the world. And, and we've scaled up. We're fast approaching half a million customers now which is pretty awesome so yeah if you would i mean i've been on your website it's absolutely gorgeous that the work that you're doing and there's such variety there it's pretty much whatever designer needs it's right there you know so could you walk us through for those that may not be familiar with your product kind of the uh who is your user and how would they get your products and how would they apply it and then what would the end result be like would it be a poster would it be an online social media just kind of walk us through someone who might not be familiar with your product yeah sure so we sell the tools that designers use day to day and our audience is so big now and we sell many many different types of resources so um it really can vary for example fonts are really popular because every creative loves working with fonts and they can they can be used in all kinds of applications but equally we've got 
corporate companies who are using kind of more of the professional style resources we've got hobbyists who are there playing with like procreate brushes and illustrator brushes and that kind of thing um we've got digital scrapbookers we've got a lot of graduates actually um who just kind of need those affordable resources because they're not on a huge budget and so they're buying illustrations brushes fonts all the stuff they use in their regular work um and it's really cool. Like my favorite thing about it, and um, I would advise any kind of budding entrepreneurs to to pay attention to to this element would be community, because mm. I think it's it's community and brand. Right? I know our USPs. I know how we're the best in various areas in terms of being a business. But I really believe that people gravitate to, to you if you're a bit different, if you have that sense of community. And I'd hate to be just another company who was selling this kind of stuff. That to me is quite boring. Um, what makes me love our customers and, and our team and, and my company is just this real awesome sense of community. It's like we've got a mountain of hampers and chocolate outside this room right now because <laughs> every day we've got about five of them showing up with like lovely notes from customers and people we work with. And that's my favorite part of the job, to be honest. Well, so you've really kind of hit on something I didn't expect is the community aspect of it, which you know, it's a lot easier to build community in an office where you're there in person. How do you do it in your virtual community with your customers? Now, probably one of them was making this kind of goofy Christmas video, I would assume, <laughs> um, but maybe not. You know, tell us you know, a little bit about how you do that. I think you do that by paying attention to brand more than sales. I mm. think almost everyone's in the selling game. They're constantly trying to force the next product on their customer base, on their community. And that doesn't really create a sense of community. That doesn't, that's not a two-way conversation. And so from day one, I believe you build community one person at a time, mm -hmm. literally in the early stages of a company. I knew our first hundred customers, like personally, you know, I, I would go and learn everything about their life. I, for the first two months of the company, I jumped on one-on-one -on -one calls for an hour a day with customers just saying how much I appreciated them, like stuff that they'd love to see on the website, like a kind of wish list, stuff that they found confusing. And I would take all of their feedback and i try and implement that and, and iterate based on that. And I think that is always the way to go, especially at the start when you're trying to get something off the ground. I think far too many budding entrepreneurs and people on social media do what I like to call shout into the void. Mm. So they're just, they're pushing out there. It's push, push, push. They're, they're pushing their products. They're pushing their content to no one and they're getting no engagement and no one cares. And that's why so many people give up and, and they just feel kind of disparaged by the whole thing. I think you need to go directly to your kind of people and just start building friendships, building relationships, get on their radar, bring them value. Don't immediately go for the sell or go for the ask. And so that's kind of on a ground level. On, on a wider level, what we do as a company is all kinds of stuff. Like we do, we do live hangouts every single week with our forum community where we just chat and answer their questions and bring them some special stuff. We, uh, we do bigger scale webinars with thousands of people. We did one recently where we did a live game show format where myself and one of my team wore like really glitzy gold blazers and looked ridiculous, <laughs> like bow ties. Yeah. And we were like giving out prizes. We had this like spinning wheel with prizes on and um, cubby holes in the office had like prizes hidden behind them and, and just people got really into that kind of thing. And there's, there's endless variations to do it. I, I truly believe like bringing value and building community, it's not that hard to think of how to do it. It's just hard to put in the work, but most people don't even brainstorm they don't even think how can i 
how can I be fun for my audience? How can I get them to care? Like, how can I learn more about them? How can I bring them value? That's the kind of questions you need to ask to build community. And most people only get as far as how can I sell them some more stuff? Yeah, that's a great point. And I would imagine, you know, think about it. If it comes down to your company or your competitors, you know, just the fact you have that community or that friendship or that fun aspect of it, you know, that could be the tiebreaker. You know, it's like, well, I want to go with Tom because, you know, he's really built this community. He's really batting for me. He's really giving me what I want that I find value because he listens, you know, versus someone just pushing out something to him. Yeah. And we we hear it all the time. And I'm happy to share this because this is not like a secret formula, which our competitors or anyone else can just steal. It takes real work. To give you one example, our competitors hand off the customer service to the people that own the various shops within their marketplace, for example, whereas we take that on ourselves. So we don't leave it up to chance whether the customer's going to get a good response or not. Like they literally hear back from us same day, often with a personalized video and like really, really um, lovely, you know, catered bespoke response. And, and that stuff is, is pretty unscalable um, unless you put people behind it and money behind it. But it's just the stuff I believe that's important. For me, it's not exciting just to have this kind of nicely scalable business model that's super impersonal and, and um, doesn't really touch people in the right way. Now, so what was the moment that you said, okay, I've done these businesses in the past, I've done the web design, I've done this. Was it a gradual climb, I guess, in your business model to where then you launched Design Cuts? Or was there a a moment in time you said, I'm going to go all in, start my own business? Like, was it a gradual growth? Or did you have a moment in time that you said, I'm going to do this and start it from the ground up? Yeah, so I've never actually worked for anyone else unless you count clients when I was freelancing. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's never been that I've had to jump ship from a traditional nine to five or job. I've always kind of had a few things going on. And for me, um, yeah, it, it was a bit of a natural progression. It was seeing an opening in the market where I just thought I could honestly do a better job than what existed out there and thought people deserved uh, it to be done better. But a lot of it came on the back of, I mentioned before, I had this design blog. It got quite a lot of traffic. It got millions and millions of visitors. Um, but ultimately it got those visitors because I'd been following a lot of what had been fed to me as supposedly good marketing advice. Mm. So whenever I tried to learn marketing, when I was a bit younger, you jump on Google, how do I do internet marketing? And I'm sure you can imagine some of the stuff that comes up. Um, and it's all really about getting more followers and getting more traffic and funneling these people through the right funnel system, get enough value from them and convert them and, and all of this stuff that's not very human um, and not really what I'm about. But sadly, I, I kind of bought into that because I thought, well, I guess that's what the experts are telling me. I guess that's how it has to be. Um, so I ended up doing a lot of things uh, which were good for providing traffic, but not very good for building community. And so this blog with millions of visitors, um, it felt a bit hollow to me. I realized it was providing a nice part-time income, but it wouldn't really scale into the business I wanted it to be. Uh, a lot of these visitors were very fleeting. They didn't really stick around. And I realized what I'd been chasing was uh, what's called vanity metrics, where it might be nice to say, hey, I've got this blog with a million visitors. Isn't that awesome? But it's pretty meaningless beyond just being a number. And so when I started Design Cuts, I knew from day one, I thought, 
I'm going to build this the way that I want to build it. I'm not going to worry about all the numbers. I'm just going to build a company which I'd want to be part of that reflects my values um, inherent to me in terms of I love building communities. I, lo- I love people and, and building relationships. And so I just started with that. And ironically, the biggest numbers of all and the, and the biggest growth of all actually followed that. That's amazing that you had something that most people would consider extremely successful, you know, with your million you know, views or whatever, and you thought this isn't the right model for me. And then the fact that you started it on your own and you did it the way you wanted to do it, and then everybody found you. I mean, that's just truly an amazing story. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> this is going to be a really interesting question for you because you said you never really worked for somebody else. So what is your typical day like or your typical week? Unpredictable. um, I don't know how many of your audience, Greg, are potentially interested in being entrepreneurs. I I think right now it's almost quite a trendy thing Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of kids to aspire to be. And obviously I I love it. It, It's fantastic. But it is incredibly unpredictable. It's fraught with risk. Um, It oftentimes, including with me, comes with mental health uh, flaring up at points. It Mm. can be unbelievably stressful um, particularly as I'm CEO of my company, that pretty much involves walking into a medium to large sized problem every single day. So there's <laughs> right. definitely definitely a degree of firefighting um, that happens even when things are going well. And I will get to the positive stuff. I'm not trying to be too fear-mongering, but no, I, think no. it's good to, um, I think it's good to paint a realistic picture because, like I said, I think it's all kind of cool and trendy to to be an entrepreneur right now. Um, and I think the whole lifestyle of like Lamborghinis and passive income is quite missold and it doesn't mm. really reflect the reality. Um, the reality is that it's incredibly hard. I had to work a hundred hours a week, uh, seven days a week for the first 18 months to get my company off the ground. I ended up hospitalizing myself on the back of that, mm. uh, causing some horrendous health issues and having major surgery and, and having the roughest time of my life. And, and like I say, it, you, you have the risk, you have the stress, uh, you have the plate spinning. Even when things are going well, it's constantly in the back of your mind what's going on with the market and your competitors and if it could, could all go away and, and all that side of things. But on the flip side, you know, it does bring um, tremendous just reward. I, I, I love what I do. I'm incredibly passionate about what I do. I was about to say it brings freedom, but it doesn't really bring that either because you end up working longer than your staff. So. <laughs> right. I'm, um, I think Steve Jobs said that um, if you look at it on paper, you'd actually have to be crazy to want to be an entrepreneur, which is why you have to inherently love it so much because it doesn't really make logical sense. But um, I think for me, I just I love there being no ceiling. I, 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 love, I love that you can create something from nothing. I love that... Um, it might not be in the same way as Apple or someone like that, but what we've grown has changed the world in some way. It's touched hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. It's disrupted an industry. And, and all of that can come from a, a genesis, an inception point of an idea. And that, for me, is the coolest thing in the world. It's, it's the same way that you know you can start with a blank canvas and you, you can end up with the Mona Lisa and you can change history. And that is not like an equation that you just solve or an answer which 
is predetermined and you fill out it can go in whatever direction you want and you can really grow it into whatever you want and i think that's the most awesome thing yeah that's great and it's you've brought up so many good points there but the hard work the self-motivation you have to have as an entrepreneur is really key you know like you said it's glamorized so much it sounds great oh, i work for myself i drive a lamborghini you know all those kind of things and it's just not real world. You really have to be self-motivated because if you don't show up to work, you know, your work's going to not happen <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And you can't really leave it at the door like a nine to five either. It, right. You're living it. it. Yeah, you're living it. It's really hard to turn your brain off. Um, that obviously can affect relationships uh, and friendships and, and and even just your own time alone. You know, it's very hard to shut your brain off with it. Um, it can keep you up nights there's there's a lot that goes on with it and it's been a real journey um, for me I, I've had to work very hard to try and find more balance and and scale out the team in a way that I can I can take some vacation time and, and have that element of balance but it definitely takes time and particularly up front and when you are younger um, I, I think it takes a lot of sacrifice um, and it's, it's a double-edged sword because right now, um, I don't know how many of your listeners might be familiar, but if they're into entrepreneurship, they're probably familiar with Gary Vee and, and hustle mm. culture and that side of things. And having put myself through that and um, caused these horrendous health issues and so on down the line, I'm actually pretty against that side of things. I'm, I'm a big Gary Vee fan like most of us, um, and I've got a lot of respect for the guys, so I'm not hating, but... Um, I think you need to balance the reality um, of some of the hardships of entrepreneur, of some of the sacrifice of entrepreneurship. You need to balance that with realizing that being like a hustle bro and thinking it's cool to work yourself beyond burnout and, and damage yourself also isn't the answer. I think like anything, you need that middle ground and you need that balance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing that you touched on was just you're building something from the ground up. And to see, I can see how that would be the fire that keeps you going you know, here's what I built. It benefits others. It's growing. Who knows where it will grow to and who knows what new direction it might go in. So I could definitely see that being the fire that keeps you going in such a tough type of endeavor you've taken on. Yeah. And I think particularly when you see traction, it becomes strangely quite addictive. Mm -hmm. It becomes <laughs> cyclical that the harder you work, it feels like the better you do. And the better you do, the harder you work. <laughs> and it just goes round and round and round until you invariably hit some kind of ceiling. And then it's like, okay, I, I, the answer is not working harder. <laughs> that's just, it's just going to lead to burnout. Right. Yes. Well, before we move on to our next question, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors. Do you enjoy your job and find it fulfilling? Or do you spend more time wondering what if instead of what's next? If so, contact Career Spa. Career Spa has extensive programs and curriculum and understands the challenges faced by individuals in transition. They can teach these success practices to be mastered for an effective job search. Answer that what if question by contacting Career Spa and asking their experts what's next. Contact Career Spa at careerspa.net. Talent acquisition is key to building a successful organization. Talent Connections is a professional services firm that specializes in recruiting, including executive search, contract recruiting, talent acquisition consulting, and recruitment process outsourcing. Whether you are an individual or a Fortune 100 company, Talent Connections can connect you with success. Contact them at talentconnections.net. 
Welcome back. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. If you're an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster and additional resources are under the resource tab. So we just learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was kind of like an entrepreneur kind of action going on there. And what you actually do today, which is an entrepreneur, which is great. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Would you actually take a nine to five job ever? No. I don't think I could. It's not, it's not Great really answer. Me. As one of my business partners says, he's like, I am absolutely 100% unemployable. <laughs> Good thing you got this going on then, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so what would you do differently, if anything? It's a really great question. Um, I think, honestly, not that much because everything good, bad, and ugly leads you to where you are today. And it, I'm, I'm very happy right now with my current perspective and mindset. And I wouldn't even take back some of the most horrendous low points because they've shaped who I am now. Um, and I don't want that to sound like a cliche answer. I think that is, um, that's predicated on the fact that the journey is the most important thing. I think for anyone listening, just doing and putting in the work is one of the fundamental best bits of advice I can give you because I know for years I was very much a dreamer. I didn't really have the execution piece. I'd sit at home drawing out blueprints and drawing out just mind maps of future businesses that would, I'd never even create. I, I just kind of lived in my head. And so, um, yeah, I guess if I had to give myself any advice, it would be to actually go and do more rather than just live in fairyland and, and daydreams because the second I started actually executing and putting in the work and, and not kind of making excuses or or um, procrastinating, that's when stuff really started to move. Yeah, and I've heard some people, and this relates to all different forms of hobbies and professions, it's, and it's the famous you know thing from Nike, just do it. Do something. It might not be right. It might not be good, but you're doing something in that the, the right direction, you know, the start. And it's probably going to change a million times, but yeah, at least you're exactly. starting. Yeah, it's it's so, so key. And I feel like it's the kind of advice which is very easy to brush off, particularly when you're younger. And it frustrates me. That is the thing I want to go and say to my younger self. It's like youth is wasted on the young. It's so true. It's like great, you know, we can we can get drunk and like, you know, hang out with friends and, and do all the, the standard teenage stuff. And, and that's a lot of fun. And I'd never deny uh, anyone of that. I, I had a lot of fun, obviously, and I, I still do. Um, but I think when it comes down to like work and your ambitions and what you love to do and what you're passionate about, you just got to do it. Like you, you don't know what paths it's going to open up. You don't know where it's going to lead you. Um, I've seen so many people with their journeys like you can only see it in hindsight I think that's that would be my advice like right now I love what I'm doing I'm so proud of my company but if I hadn't have started messing around with cheap design contests when I was like 13 years old I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now but each step forward just kind of stumbled across something new and then there were a few options and I'm like, oh, I guess I kind of like that one most. I'm going to try that. And it's like, oh, I'm kind of bored of that. So I'll try the next thing. And then that leads me to that. And that opens up a relationship, which then becomes a partnership, which leads to something else. You know what I mean? It's very like it organically kind of evolves. But the only way it does that is through action. If all you've got is inaction and you just sit on your hands and, and do nothing, then it won't really lead you anywhere. 
Well, and when I started my podcast, I did not think I would be talking to the CEO of design business in England. So you can see where that went. <laughs> yeah, like the the more you do, the more chance there is of serendipity, right? Right. It's the same way. Like if both of us, if, if we go and have a conversation, whether it's like LinkedIn message or Instagram DM or whatever it might be, not selling, just having a, a conversation. If we went and did that with 100 people a day, like doors would open, relationships would form, and opportunities would come up, which we never expected. Absolutely. Yep. Well, you've kind of talked on this a little bit, but let's make the assumption someone in our audience wants to do what you do to be an entrepreneur, which I'm sure there's a bunch of them. What advice would you give them? I, I think 100% just taking action and doing um, is absolutely vital. Um, you will really, really start to see things moving. I think pay attention to what you like um that's kind of part of the whole cliche thing of of do what you're passionate about but i promise you it is necessary um because it's just it's too hard if you didn't really really care if you're in it for the wrong reasons if you're in it to get the watch or the lamborghini or or to look cool you're not going to last because it takes a lot of patience a lot of perseverance a lot of hard work so you need to really really care about the thing that you're doing um, and I would say as well, try to pay attention to the humanity of it. Don't make the mistakes that I made in terms of getting sucked into some of the sleazy marketing advice, even though I never fully went down that path because it didn't feel right for me. I was mm-hmm. kind of frozen and locked in that mindset of, oh, well, I guess this is the only way to do this stuff. And it felt uncomfortable. And it was only when I, I really, really put in the work to try and find um, proper teachings and mentors that opened my eyes to the possibilities of, oh, I can do it my way. So I think just staying true to yourself. Um, and, you know, for me, that is very much helping people and community and, and quite happy, positive stuff like that. Everyone's got their thing. So I know people who are kind of like bitter and sarcastic, but <laughs> hilarious. And so they can do their thing. There, there is really enough room for everyone to do their thing. Um, and for me, being that authentic version of you, it is so rewarding. Uh, I just did I did a whole episode on this recently and, and talked for about 15 minutes about it. But yeah, it is. it kind of leads to introspection. I think when you're an entrepreneur, the lines are so blurred between your work life and, and your personal life that when you start being really authentic and really yourself in your work life, the effects can be tremendous in your personal life. It can lead to real boosts in confidence and self-awareness um, and social skills and, and those types of things. And so, yeah, all of that, I realize that's kind of quite, <laughs> quite a lot of random <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say for any creatives out there, go and check out designcuts.com, which is my main company and and come and say hi, whether it's in the forums or customer care team or whatever. And I promise that we'll look after you. Um, and if you're a budding entrepreneur of any type, creative, like business, sales, whatever, um, and you're interested in that stuff, then hit me up on my Instagram, which is Tom Ross Media. And I'd be more than happy to give any advice for free. Um, got no interest in selling anyone anything. I just enjoy mentoring fellow entrepreneurs and helping any way I can, really. Wow, that's an amazing offer out there. So thanks for doing that. No, absolutely. I mean, mention that you uh, that you came from Greg's podcast as well, because I'd love to love to thank him and and just kind of uh, understand that that's where you found out about me. Oh, awesome! Great, appreciate that. 
Well, and as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And I know we talked briefly, but I'm a huge car enthusiast. So if you would, tell us, what was your first car? <laughs> You're going to hate this, but I have to be honest. <laughs> um, oh, it, it was it was a four. Oh, no, it was it was a Peugeot 106. If you know Is that it. a little like Econobox, like a four door? Yeah, it, it was kind of like pea green. It had a, <laughs> it had a horn. Really, it, it really helped pick up the ladies, let me tell you. Uh, it had a horn that sounded like Mr. Bean. Uh, it, it For was, those who don't, don't know Mr. Bean, Google him because he's awesome. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, sadly, I think I'm on my fourth car now. And I have by far the worst car out of my whole team. Oh, that's my not entire, good. <laughs> no, my entire team have better cars than me. My business partner is like, in fact, two of my business, business partners are hugely into, into cars, as you are. They've got really flashy, nice cars. And I have a Ford Fiesta with uh, bits hanging off the side, partly held <laughs> together with duct tape with mold growing out of it. It is that's okay though, because your your time is spent with your company, right? You're not <laughs> you, you're focusing on other things. Yeah, and the thing is, like, if if I had a billion dollars, I'd go buy an Aston Martin, and I think they're absolutely beautiful. Um, but I don't know what it is. I think I think it's a, a kind of sign of defiance where. Um, I'm like, I'm 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 not materialistic, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do the entrepreneur thing, and I'm not gonna go and get the Lamborghini and all that side of things. And if you're into cars, I think that is that's really really cool. Um, but for me, I I think I just spend far too much of my money on like food and wine. That's my <laughs> my vice. Well, yeah, and also you know if you had a nice car, you'd have to worry about it all the time. So you know <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. trying to deal, you're trying to get the stress out. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, well, my next question you already answered. What was your, What is your dream car, which is an Aston Martin, which those are, are absolutely gorgeous cars. Yeah, and it doesn't help that about 100 meters up the road from my house, on my drive to work, there is an Aston Martin garage where they're all sat outside and they get polished <laughs> once a day. So I, I, I get to drive past about 50 Aston Martins. It is like a perfect example of subliminal advertising. You need to send me a picture of that. I would love to see that, and I'll post it on my Instagram page. <laughs> well, if you're ever UK side, um, I'd love to go for a beer or something, and I can, yeah, I can show you. But yeah, I'll take a picture for sure. Awesome. Well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car, and if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a really cool company car based on your job. And so I took this as uh, a design perspective. Uh, you can actually look at it from an entrepreneurial perspective as well. So I wanted something that kind of bridged the gap between England and the U.S. Mm-hmm. I wanted something classic. I wanted something that had a one of the most gorgeous cars ever made. So for you, I picked a 1962 AC Cobra. Are you familiar with that car at all? I am Googling right now. 1962 <laughs> AC Cobra. That's the first year, the most pure styling. It's got an American Ooh, engine. Nice. But it's English-bodied. It came from the AC car company in England. So the everything's English except for the engine. It's a Ford V8 engine in there. And Carroll Shelby was an entrepreneur, and this was his first car that he made for himself. And it became so iconic. He won Le Mans. It did all sorts of things. That is the most replicated car in the world is the AC Cobra. So if I had all the money in the world, yeah, that's the car I'd buy for you. Well, that that is incredibly sweet. Thank you. Could I request to get it in silver and feel like James Bond? 
That's hilarious because I would suggest silver with a red interior personally. But yes, you can request silver. Sold. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be crossing everything that you win the lottery then. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your journey today, Tom. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your company? Um, yeah. So as I say, if, uh, if you check out designcuts.com, that's where my company's at. And do come and say hi. I'm on Instagram as Tom Ross Media. And if you uh, search either iTunes or YouTube for The Honest Entrepreneur Show, that's where I geek out about a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, the human side of marketing, et cetera. And I'd love it if you came and said hi there. Thanks again, Tom, for joining us today. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, hopefully we can catch up in the future. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.